This is OJ Howard, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and we're bringing on a, a good old friend of the show here. I, I don't know if John Ledyard has been on the podcast. He's certainly been on the SiriusXM radio show, certainly a great friend and a known hustler that we've seen uh, out everywhere for the NFL draft stuff, covering all the events that we've been at for the last I don't know. We've been at it 10 years. It feels like John's been at it for just about as long. You can find him on Twitter at Ledger NFL Draft. He's the Bucks. Uh, he's, he's the Bucks beat reporter at Pewter Report and the director of content down there. A new member of the uh, of the growing legions that have moved to the great state of Florida. John Ledger. What the hell is going on, brother? Hey, man. Great for having me. Always appreciate it. Uh, it's great to be talking some NFL draft. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. And I, I I want to talk draft with you, but you know, you are the Bucks beat reporter guy. You were able to kind of get your first season in doing it. You, I, I mean, I don't know how many people get, you know, get their first season on a job, get to cover a, a get to cover a Super Bowl run, but they must since you as a good luck charm around there. Um, <laughs> what do you think? So coming into your second year covering the team, um, I guess from a fantasy perspective, do you, can you give me any insight about the running back situation there now that Gio Bernard, like now that they, now that they've uh, added a new satellite back there, what does this mean for Leonard Fournette? What does this mean for Ronald Jones? And, you know, did Leonard Fournette buy himself some, uh, some grace and some credibility there from the front office to maybe be, and the, and the coaching staff to maybe be more of a lead back or are they still kind of in on, still in on Ronald Jones and then is Keyshawn Vaughn, can we just consider his NFL career already over before it started? What the hell's going on with all this, John? Yeah, it's very hard to figure out. I've, one thing I've learned is that fantasy people, you know, I'm not big into the fantasy game, into the valuation, the scouting game, and the projection game for sure, but not like so much on the specific fantasy side. So sometimes when I hit a fantasy trend or like a fantasy inside joke, I like stumble upon it and then I realize like, oh, this is a big thing I just was totally unaware of. And one of those things is Bruce Arians and running backs. It's like an inside running joke <laughs> among fantasy football experts and websites and fans. Because it's just like you could never figure out who Bruce is going to play. And then just when you think you figured it out, it switches. Or none of them get the production you were hoping to get. It's all split up evenly. That you know that kind of stuff. And I think that's what you're going to have, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, Leonard Fournette definitely seemed to pass up Ronald Jones by the end of the year. I think that's really due to the fact, though, that Fournette's three-down ability was just better than Jones. Jones is just a really unreliable pass protector and a very unreliable receiver, to the point where in his third year in the NFL, he still doesn't understand timing and where to be in simple routes. I mean, little arrow routes to the flat, screens, get your head around, look for the ball when you're coming out of the backfield. 
you just waste so many plays with Jones on the field and passing downs. I mean, he's one of the worst backs in the league on passing downs. Now, when he catches the ball, he can actually like, do stuff. You know, he's better with the ball in his hands than Leonard Fournette, but it's just so freaking hard to get him to do the little things right to actually get the ball. And in this offense, you know, you're not the running backs. It's not like the Saints where Alvin Kamara's getting 10 catches a game or something like that. You know, this is, you need to make the most of your opportunities. And he just wasn't doing that. And so I think they went with Fournette because he was less of an issue uh, than Ronald Jones, not because they think Fournette was a better player. I think it's pretty clear Ronald Jones is the better pure running back but he makes them predictable when he's on the field if they can't use him on passing downs or count on him on passing downs. Can't count on either of them in pass protection. Uh, neither of them were good in that regard. Leonard Fournette had a lot more opportunities um, and was pretty bad throughout the entire season. So that was a big issue coming into the offseason. That's been solved now with the Giovanni Bernard signing. He's probably, he's going to be the receiving back. He's going to be the third down guy for sure. He might be he's going to be the two-minute warning guy, all that kind of stuff, two-minute drill guy, I mean, all that stuff. He'll be in there for that. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Fournette could get some of that role, but he'll see that part of his game sucked up, I think, by Bernard. And then, so Fournette's going to lose something there. Bernard's going to gain something. Bernard will probably be what he's always been, only just in a better offense mm-hmm. in terms of uh, workload. And then I, Ronald Jones is the one that's curious. I, to me, he's going to have to be able to beat out Fournette for the, for the rushing down uh, plays or split that time with Fournette for the rushing down uh, opportunities. Because right now, I would say Fournette's ahead of him in that regard. And then we'll see how things meet out during training camp or whether that remains the way that it's been. It's like the worst of all scenarios for those two to have Geo come in. Because even if you, it, for just for yeah. fantasy, I, I think it makes sense for a football perspective, but just even for fantasy, I mean, and we, we sort of knew it was going to happen with all the talk that you know, they, they were interested in maybe bringing James White and, you know, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff like that. The fact that they keep saying they need a pure pass catcher, it's like they're going to make those two an early down committee. And as long as Geo's, you know, as long as Geo is healthy, it's almost like if you play in a PPR league, he could be the most. He could probably he might score you the most points out of all those guys because it would just feel like Fournette and Jones. You know, we're going to cannibalize each other. The one thing that, the one thing I will say is, you know, through through the course of the season, one of those guys will get hurt, and so it could it could end up being that, it could end up being that maybe one of them ends up paying off. But boy, it's a it's a a, a, a real hidden value for those guys as as, as far as fantasy. Okay. Um, Let's just – the first thing I want to ask you is for one of these prop bets here. And maybe it can just kind of be an also talk about just general needs for, you know, needs for the Buccaneers. And, of course, this is a team that's coming off of a Super Bowl victory. It's it's probably the team that has less needs than than most in the league, right? And so they're not offering the best – you know, they're not offering the best the – best, um, odds here there's not really one odds on favorite like there are for some of these other teams for a way that they're going to go and I think that's just probably how it's going how it is whenever you're picking last you know the sports books don't know who's going to be left on the board there's always a chance that these teams like last year with the Chiefs picking last they just take a complete luxury pick and the guy like Clyde Edwards Elair that they took last year you could see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers maybe doing something like that is they build for right now as opposed to you know having just a, a, an ultimate stake just in the future alone, like like some of these other teams do. Uh, at plus two hundred is is the best uh, odds is defensive line. Um, at plus four fifty is the second best odds at offensive line. At plus six hundred are these three positions: cornerback, linebacker, and wide receiver. So. 
After that, we get to running back and safety at plus 800, quarterbacks at plus 2,000, tight, tight end is at plus 3,300. And then, of course, kicker, punter, long snap. We, 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 we know that Jason Light is not going to be drafting another kicker again probably in his, in his life after what, after what happened last time. He did that on, on Jameis Winston's, uh, Winston's account. But what do you think about those guys? Um, defensive line, offensive line, corner, linebacker, wide receiver. Is that the way that you see him going, and what do you see the Bucks' biggest needs? I think their biggest need is on the interior offensive line, center guard, and you know, that spot. I think is Brian Jensen and Al Kappa both slated to be free agents, um, so that's going to be a position that they might replace one or maybe both those guys. They got a lot of free agents for next offseason, so that's a possibility. I think for them in that range of the draft should be a position on the board that's still pretty pretty strong, pretty stacked with talent. I would say um, they could also trade down and take one of those guys, which is also should be pretty attractive to them. Um, defensive tackle, I think, yeah, ideally you'd like them to take one, but Christian Barmore is probably going to be off the board based on everything we've heard up to this point, especially recent reports seem to indicate he'll be a top yeah. 20 pick. Mm-hmm. After that, it gets really, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm not even that big of a Barmore fan, but it's just, it's a mess. I mean, certainly Levi Anwazurike has talent. Certainly Yosai Degazua from UCLA has talent. Um, Iowa's Davion Nixon has talent, but Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech, talent, but I mean, they're just so far. It's such a technical position, Alex, and you know this. Like, it's such a position mentally and technically. You have to be on point in the NFL. It's one of the deepest position groups in the NFL. If you can't play, you just aren't. You aren't going to make it. I mean, it's just, it's not a position group that has much time for inconsistency um, right now in the league. It's it's just if you look across defensive lines in the NFL, if you look at the last guy on rosters, I mean, he can play. You know, that's just where, especially in the interior, I'm talking about. At edge defender, you've got a little more room for that developmental curve and bring guys along and take those chances. But defensive line, I mean, you remember Robert and Kamdichie a few years ago. I mean, all the talent in the world, right? But, like, mentally, technically, just couldn't get where he needed to be. I mean, Malik McDowell couldn't get on the field because of health, but it was the same concern with him. And, you know, all these guys that are super talented, it works at edge defender sometimes. It doesn't work as much on the inside. It's such a physical, technical spot. You know, you can't really just play situationally you need to be able to rush the passer on early downs in today's NFL. And so it's taken out uh, a lot of those you know, run stuffing types then added value to more athletic types. But at the end of the day, if those guys can't play, then, and that's the problem with this class, like consistency technique, you know, I don't know that I see it being there where the bucks needed to be in the first round. So may have to wait on that position group. I think edge defenders a possibility, but everybody probably on the board there is very developmental. It's a very developmental edge class in general. Just, I mean, there's like no sure things. If you take an edge guy early, you are just taking a risk. I mean, it's with any of those guys, really. Um, so it's a possibility to go edge, possibility to go interior offensive line, guard or center. And I think wide receiver is on the table. It would just have to be the right guy. I think they're really in, in a position where they would just are going, they really want to choose the best player available. So do they love one of the wide receivers that's available there. I think a lot of people would have Kadarius Tony, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, maybe even Amari Rogers, probably not that early, but with a mm-hmm. trade down, you know, those guys as options. I'm just saying those guys are all way under the size threshold that the Bucks usually use a wide receiver. They just, that's not their MO wide receiver. They do not take small wideouts, especially early in the draft. You know, Scotty Miller is somebody you could point to in the sixth round, but mm-hmm. Scotty Miller was like a four, three flat guy. He's one of the fastest players in the league. You know, if, if a guy had a trump card like that, you know, and, and it was late in the draft, we throw out some, some size thresholds. But early on, I mean, you look at all the receivers they visited with during this pre-draft process, all of them. I mean, it's like 6'1", 205", 210 is like the smallest guy, maybe six foot, but 
nobody that looks like or, or plays really like Rondo Moore, Elijah Moore. Those guys are slot only. The Bucks are very much an inside-outside team. If, if you play slot for them, as Chris Godwin and Tyler Johnson do, you need to be also able to play outside for them. And so those are their slots, those two guys, Godwin and Johnson, but they play outside at the drop of a hat. You know, so that's what they like with their wide receiver core. Um, so it's, you know, yeah, I mean, if they drafted a speed guy, it would pro- or not a small guy, it would probably be to play on the outside and they need great speed. Certainly those guys, some of these guys have that. Uh, I just don't see the fits there with those guys, specific guys that early in the draft. Terrace Marshall from LSU, definitely a fit on paper for what they look for. What about, all the what, about, what about Bateman? Tyler and Bateman could be a possibility too. Yeah, he the, the issue with Bateman is that he for the Bucks he's kind of small. Now, he's kind he he weighed in kind of small. He might not meet the threshold right. this year. I mean, what are you weighing at one ninety? I guess he said that's because he yeah. lost weight because of COVID or something. But sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt. I just as as as, no. as, long, as long as you were talking about Marshall, I was kind of wondering about Bateman if if you thought that they would look he, at him. Bateman is one I haven't considered as much as I should have. Somebody asked me about Bateman on the po- on our podcast the other day, and uh, and I I was like, oh, I need to, yeah, that's a guy I definitely need to take a look at um, for the Bucks even because I mean I've watched him, I've studied him, but I didn't consider him for the Bucks as a possibility. So, uh, you know, it was one of those situations where I was like, oh man, I don't I don't know whether he's going to be a fit or not. I don't know whether you know that's going to be if he's going to be there or not. I thought he'd be off the board before then, but there's a possibility he might not be. And so now I'm looking at the board and I'm like, well, Bateman could be, he'd be smaller. He'd be lighter than their normal ride receiver. But at the same time, like he's good enough that that you might be where you take a chance and go outside of your threshold a little bit. So we'll see if he's there at 32. I guess I'd be a little surprised if he's there. He and Terrace Marshall would be the names that jump off the page to me at 32 later on down the board, Diami Brown, Nico Collins. Those are their, those mm-hmm. are their types. There's not a lot of box types of receivers right. in this class. That could mean they're out on the position early and they draft a guy late, or it could mean that they love one guy at the top and they think he's the only guy in this draft for them, like a Terrace Marshall, and they grab him at 32. Those things are all possibilities, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. Not a lot of not a lot of the big bully kind of size speed guys this this year, especially that could be had late. The one that comes to my mind is the Stanford kid. I'm forgetting I'm forgetting his name. Simi Fahoko, he's he's he has a little bit of a Mike Evans starter kit to him, but certainly no Mike Evans. I'm trying to think of those bigger guys who could be had late. I think Nico Collins is a, definitely a, a a great call there for for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's let's just talk about some of these. Uh, oh, just and one other thing, they didn't give us an option on the DraftKings sportsbook for Edge. Do you do do you think if they said Edge that that would be one that could be up there as far as as far as ways that they could look, or do you, or or do you not think that that's too important an option right now? Yes, I think Edge is up there. In fact, if you ask me right now, I haven't even written this yet, Alex. You're getting the inside scoop here. If you ask me right <laughs> now, if I, if you put a gun in my head that you have to make the Bucks pick at 32, and based on players you think will be available, I think Joe Tryon from Washington might be their pick. I wouldn't necessarily be gung ho about that. I don't know if you know if he's going to be on the board still at that point. Um, he he just fits with athleticism, size, length, physicality. He didn't play last year, but that's okay. He doesn't have to play and step into a role right away in Tampa. He'd be an extra guy, right? Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett start. He'd be your situational guy, your 10 to 15 snaps a game guy, clear upgrade over Anthony Nelson, has a lot of developmental traits, tested like a good athlete. His tape is really underwhelming, and that does matter to me. And then he didn't play in 2020. So I don't know what's happened with him. It makes his evaluation confusing. Um, he's moved up a little bit as I've rewatched more and just really tried to get a good feel for him. 
I have him in the late third round personally. Uh, I'm a tough grader. <laughs> that means I think you're a solid starter in the NFL, basically. Right. That's kind of where you're headed. Um, maybe he can be better than that. It would take a big leap at the next level. He's also a guy that's been under the 10 sack threshold that you usually look for when you're taking a edge rusher high, even if they have traits, you know, if you can get to 10 call it sacks, you know, it, it typically doesn't bode very well for your NFL future. So, uh, but he's a guy I think they would absolutely consider there. I don't know if they would consider Jason away if he's on the board. I don't think they'll consider Gregory Rousseau and I think he will be on the board. I don't think he'll be considered there. What about um, Jalen Phillips? Those are probably, if he's there, maybe it will depend all about, it will depend all about off the field and injury stuff with Phillips. You know, is he all in for the game? What are the concussion issues? You know, what are the, what's the issue with his wrist, you know, from his time at UCLA and the moped accident, um, that kind of stuff will all need to be answered. I have really, I mean, I've certainly talked to people, you know, about Jalen Phillips. I, I know what they've said. Um, I don't like to talk much about that kind of stuff. I just know the teams will have to do their own mm-hmm. vetting on that stuff. I don't right. include it migrating because, I just don't think I can ever talk to enough sources to get to know the kid well enough to like, you know, what am I going to do? Kill him around grade for, for, you know, smoking weed. You know, I just, you know, it's hard to know where to draw the line. So I just, all I do is just evaluate the tape, the athletic testing and the production. I look at those three things. And in that regard to me, Phillips is clearly the best pass rusher in this class. I don't think he'll be on the board for the Bucks at 32. Somebody will take the risk in a class like this one. You might as well, because there's not that much talent in my opinion. Um, yeah, not that much special talent for sure. And he could be special if he got his head on right. So um, we'll see how that whole thing plays out with Phillips, but he's one I think they would consider if he's there. I just don't think he will be. I, I first met, I, I think he's our mutual friend, Eric, Eric, Eric Galco. You know Galco, right? Mm-hmm. See, I, yes, I, I, I first met Galco at the, like the 2012 Senior Bowl or something. We were interviewing a prospect, me and Byron, and Galco just comes up. It, you know, he waits till we're done, and he just straight up asks this dude. He's like, "Hey, man, do you still smoke weed?" <laughs> it's just he's, he's, going, he's going around just trying to get all this stuff figured out. I'm, 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 I'm with you, man. Like, you can't figure all that stuff out on your own. There's no way you could talk to to enough of these guys. Um, I, 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 I was. I know. Also, I I was just remembering now as I'm looking over some of these um, some of these uh, draft position props for these actual players. I was just remembering that you're a monot at least on Twitter. I've never talked to you about it personally, but it seems like you're a maniacal Steelers fan, even though you cover the Bucks, right? Is that correct? You're a fan of the Steelers. I, I am a fan. Yes, I'm a Steelers fan. I don't know if I'm maniacal. Okay. I think <laughs> I you're kind know. of maniacal I, about it. I think you're kind of maniacal. Brit is definitely. My wife is definitely. I am. Most people would say, they ask me all the time, what I get from Steelers Nation all the time is, dude, are you even a real fan of this team? Because I'm <laughs> You critical. just seem to hate on them all, all the time. Yeah. That's my job, right? I'm a critic. I mean, right, not, right. you know, people want just me to say good things about the team, and I'm just like, I, I can't. I think they, I disagree with a lot of things they've done recently. So I, most people would say that um, there's no way I could be a fan, but uh, I am a fan. I, I do root for the team. Well, li- listen to this, John, because, okay, so this – the Steelers are picking – they're picking at 24? 24. Correct, yeah. Okay, so 24. I'm looking at the Najee Harris draft specials, and his over-under is picked 29.5, which, I mean, and this is this is has minus 112 juice on either side for – on the DraftKings Sportsbook. I would have figured they would have put that thing at 24.5 with all the buzz lately that it feels like the Steelers are going to be picking a running back. Do, do you think they'll pick a running back? And then if they did – would you would you 
<laughs> would you get all the Steelers Twitter angry by saying it's a bad mistake? Or do you think they kind of should? <laughs> and then a third question there, if they did go running back, would, 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 would you prefer Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or possibly somebody else? I do think they will draft a run. I think they'll draft a running back. I, I shouldn't say I, I know they will or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily that they're going in saying we have to draft a running back. I just think they really like Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, you know, and, and I know a lot of people do. I mean, that's, you know, but in front of them, there's a few teams that could take a running back, by the way. So that, you know, Miami, I think 18, I think they're at 18 and the Jets, I forget, Jets are, I forget where they are, Jets, 23 or something like that. Jets but, are at 23 and of course they're at two. Yeah. Right, right, right. I think it's those are two spots that could take a running back for sure. Um, but if he's not there, I mean, I think they'll move to another position. Um, that's definitely a possibility too, offensive line. But you know, I think they love Tevin Jenkins. Who wouldn't? I mean, I think they'd love to get Tevin Jenkins. I mean, I love Tevin Jenkins too. But I just don't think, look at the teams in the teens. I mean, there's we get past the Raiders and Arizona. Might not pick get maybe, past Minnesota maybe, to be honest. Maybe so, I mean he's 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 getting a lot of he's getting a lot of buzz right now. Yeah, right, and then right. I mean, he's so got to get past Washington too. He's got to get past Chicago. Yeah. Uh, he's got to right. get past the Colts. <laughs> I mean, you know the Colts are it's going to lose some tackle. Right? Yeah, exactly. The Colts. I mean, they want to put if they want to move. Him to, I mean, he played on the left side a little bit. They want to put him next to Quentin Nelson and just destroy people for ages. I mean, you know that's so that's what I mean. I just don't know that the, you know guys like he and Christian Darrisaw and and, and Elijah Barrett Tucker. I think the Steelers would love those guys. I don't know if they're going to be there at 24. They're kind of just outside the range for those guys. Um, so that's why I think they're like, okay, we can move back and get a, another. That, that's kind of like a tear break for interior offensive line, which is really what they want to do, I think, is, is go interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. But the more likely is that a running back is on the board that they like there. And so you know, if that's the case, then I just think it's it kind of the way the board falls will give them, will produce a running back for the Steelers. I think they would take. I don't know who they would like between more between Harrison. I mean, certainly in the past they've gravitated toward bigger backs. I mean, that has been like it's almost like a running joke inside, mm-hmm. you know, Steelers Twitter. Eighteen would be a totally different type of back than they've prioritized. Now they probably love his receiving skills, but Eighteen is all speed and burst, and the Steelers have not had speed and burst. I mean, even when Le'Veon Bell was killing it, like he's never been like a speed guy. Like that's never been his game, and so um, they they really haven't had somebody like that since Willie Parker, to be honest. So. He would be a big change from where the, where they've gone with the running back position. He, he weighed in, I think, two fourteen, which is good for him. But most people don't think he plays it that way. So mm-hmm. I would guess, if I were guessing with you, I'd say Najee Harris is the guy. And then if he's not there, maybe they trade down if the offensive lineman and Harris are off the board. Do you like? Do you, or maybe they go corner. Corner's a possibility too. Corner. Corner is okay. It, it, who is it? The who is it that you would prefer though? Who like if they're going to take a running back, is there one that you prefer to see? Just as a guy that likes oh, watching the Steelers, I mean, honestly, I like Etienne. This is honestly how I feel about it. I know people just want clean rankings, but I'm not sure this one's that simple. I like Etienne for his home run ab- threat ability and what he's starting to become in the passing game. You know, I get, need to get a really good feel for the guy, but if he's one of those guys that's been arrow up since the first time he stepped on the field at Clemson, right? Like right. everything's just kept developing. Now, is he capping at some point? This past year was another step in the right direction. Can he keep growing? Because the ceiling for him could be crazy. But vision-wise, he's not as good as Harris. Um, he's, you know, they're both. Harris is a, probably a better pure runner, in my opinion, uh, snap to snap. But Etienne only needs one to break it. You know, so I come down to receiving ability for me, and I just love Harris's hands. You know, I think in ability in the open field, um, he's not elusive, but he's just powerful. He breaks tackles. He knows where space is. He gets there. So Etienne's got a much higher ceiling. I think Harris isn't very fast or explosive, but 
Um, he's just a really good, solid player. I think he's going to play for a long time, and he's going to be on the field all three downs. He's going to protect, and he's going to do all those kinds of things. But honestly, I'd probably get out of both. I'd probably just try and move back, get more picks, and take Javante Williams if you're that set on a running back. Um, you know, because he could be he could be as good as either of those two guys, to be honest. And you know, the thing with Williams is the price tag is not going to be probably quite as high. You know, but I mean, you talk about tone setting and tackle breaking, he's got it. Pass protection, he's got it. Receiving, he needs the, you know, he's not on the level of those other two guys, no question, but I can work with that. Uh, he's a capable receiver. That's good enough for me right now. And <laughs> you work everything else in over time. Okay. So uh, one, one last kind of, one last kind of theme here. I want to go with you, John, and I, I, I appreciate you being, um, you being flexible with, with your time here. I, I, I know you got a bunch of stuff going on with the draft coming right up, but, um, oh, no, you're good. so let's just go over how you think basically the general, landscape of the top 10 picks is going to look just with these with these things in mind okay we have Jalen Waddles over under is sitting at 11 and a half so basically what they're saying is I don't know why it's at 11 and a half I think it's because maybe because that's where the Eagles are the Eagle the Eagles are at 12 um Mm. so maybe maybe the sports books are thinking that that is going to like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith both have the eleven point five over under. Okay, Jamar Chase has a six and a half over under. Six would fall right between Miami and Detroit, both of whom could certainly look at wide receivers. Kyle Pitts has a very odd one to me, a five and a half over under, which does not take into which to me, I thought it might be four and a half if they were trying to trying to get the trying to say, do you think the Falcons take Kyle Pitts? But at five and a half, it means do you think that the Dolphins are going to be going uh, wide receiver, or do you think that the Dolphins are going to be going offensive tackle? Do you think that the Kyle Pitts falls here to the Dolphins? I guess there's also a case for Kyle Pitts to the Bengals, right? I mean, heck, right. if you're if if it, if four quarterbacks go off the board and Kyle Pitts is the you'd have him as the best non-quarterback, you know, you want to get Joe Burrow weapons. Um we know that the Bengals aren't sophisticated enough to actually trade down, which they should be doing. How okay, so let's just <laughs> let, let's just say let's just say this. It, it the we we know it's going to go Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. We presume it's going to go Zach Wilson to the Jets. Do you think at number? Th- let's just start at number three. Do you Justin Fields and Mac Jones now are both even money for this pick? Have you had any thoughts about this from the very beginning? Uh, Trey Lance is now at plus four hundred. So, um, if, if if you put a hundred dollars down on Trey Lance, you know, and it ended up being Trey Lance, you could walk back up with your ticket to the casino and you could get your hundred dollars back plus four hundred extra. So he's looking like a little bit more of a long shot. But Justin Fields and Mac Jones are both even money. What do you think about that one? Do you have any, do you have any takes on Justin Fields or Mac Jones or any like what what they should be doing there and what you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I know what they should be doing. They should be drafting Justin Fields, and they should be <laughs> thankful that the Jets aren't doing it because I mean, he's clear. I mean, I just don't understand. It's not like you know, we're, people are going to say, "Oh, well, Fields has a higher ceiling." Yes, and he's a better player right now. Like it's, he did it on tape. It's not like he's a raw. He's the most accurate quarterback in the country. Like I mean, I just. I have no clue what the well, I don't know what the knocks are in field. I don't get I mean, like, sure, like there's a little there's plays here and there, but consistent issues with I mean, there's not like and you know the ceiling of Mac Jones is what it is. In today's NFL, you want to trade up to three and give up multiple for for that? Like I just Right. You can find guys like Mac Jones. 
drafts in other drafts. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good player. I think he is, but one guy's rare and the other guy's not. I, I don't know why it's even a debate. Uh, it's hilarious to me that it's a debate. I don't, I don't think that the 49ers, if they take Mac Jones, I don't think they'll be a bad team. I don't think Mac Jones can't win there. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo went to the Super Bowl there and he's clearly more limited than Justin Fields. So, um, you know, I'm, Kyle Shanahan's the best. I'm not saying he can't do things, but I'm just saying like you, you put a lid on yourself when you, when you take Mac Jones there, you don't put that lid on yourself when you take Justin Fields. So um, should be Fields. I have no idea who it will be. <laughs> I don't have any clue. <laughs> and it's not for lack of trying. I've tried to get answers from people. Everything I hear it's people, you know, everybody's just speculating. I think, I think the lead suspect, you know, right away, as soon as the trade is made, every big media person's like, everybody thinks this is Mac Jones. And of course, everybody who doesn't have those connections is like, what in the world? Yeah. And, you know, we're completely confused uh, about why that would be the case. And I just don't know how, how did the trade happen? And then all of a sudden everybody, you know, all these other teams know exactly what the 49ers are doing. Like, I know it had probably been in the works for a while, and I guess it's possible some stuff leaked out. But, I mean, I know scouts in that organization. They don't have any clue who the 49ers are drafted. <laughs> and so it's just hard for me to envision that, like, yeah, Shanty was out here, like, spilling to all these other teams that in, in, in mass kind of said, oh, they're taking Mac Jones. Uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's, it's uh, smokescreens at all, by the way. I think people are so BS with that. It's these smokescreen stuff that people imagine up every year. No, sometimes people just guess. They tell the media with confidence. The media report it with confidence because that's it. Doesn't nobody wants to hear like, oh, I have no clue what they're going to take. But Mac Jones is kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, so like nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear like, oh, they're taking Mac Jones. Like so, that's how people in the league say it. And that's how the media reports it. But I don't think anyone knows. Now they could still take Mac Jones. Absolutely. I mean, there's certainly things about it that make sense. Like I said, he's a good prospect. Uh, wouldn't make any sense to me, but I think they would still win probably. I mean, Shanahan's that good. Um, so it wouldn't be what I would do, but that's what I think they'll do. And then at four, Atlanta's got tough decisions to make. Um, to me, I think that they take – I don't know why you wouldn't take a quarterback, but it doesn't – it sounds like trading back and Cal Pitts is the top options. You know, let's just say they take Cal Pitts. That would put Cincinnati with a Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. By the way, it might be Slater over Sewell for them. Um, the, you know, conversation there. Or Jamar Chase, and I think they would take Chase. Um, which would put Miami in a situation where they might honestly trade back if Pitts and Chase are off the board. Um, if it goes that like that, I think, think Miami. That, well, yeah, because that would, that, that, that would mean somebody, if it goes like you just said, and I, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. because I, because the Falcons, as far as the, as far as DraftKings Sportsbook quarterback is actually the most popular. It's, it's the best or it's the best odds at plus 125 and tight ends mm-hmm. at plus 150. The next one you get to is offensive lineman and wide receiver at plus 1,000. So the sports books yeah. say that's going to be a quarterback or that's going to be a tight end if they don't trade out. So right. that or would mean- trade down and then, you know, Denver comes up. Um, right. That's a possibility. Right. I just don't think – I think Denver would have done it if they were coming up. I mean, that, that far anyway. You know, at six with Miami, if, if Pitts and Chase are off the board – Okay, then then maybe Miami is sitting at six. Basically, I bet they have an offer now. I mean, I'm sure they do, and and I bet they're sitting there and they're saying, "We'll see. We're like, we're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. If Pitts and Chase are off the board, then we'll pull the trigger on it. We'll move back. Maybe Denver comes up, takes Fields or takes Lance, and then you're at seven with Detroit. They probably take Waddle, and at eight with Carolina, you're you probably think, then, so you, you know, don't th- first okay, offensive so, lineman. So you think that? So you think that? Um, so you think that? Whenever, uh, whenever, whenever Matt Rule went and got Sam Darnold, he went and got Sam Darnold thinking that that there's going to be a quarterback that drops to him, and he and he and he wanted Darnold more than that quarterback. 
<laughs> sounds absurd, but that's what it seems like. I, it's a, it's a huge game. Obviously you're not paying the premium for, for the quarterback, but you're still playing high second for, for Darnold. And, um, you know, you're then you're, then you're picking up his fifth year option. So you're not resetting the market at the quarterback position on your roster. Uh, it's, it's not what I would have done, uh, for sure. But, uh, I'm not saying Darnold can't be better, but you're, you think Darnold's going to be better than, than Justin Fields or tra- even Trey Lance? Maybe I, I doubt that man. That's, so to me, I think, yeah, you know, they still could take a quarterback. A lot of people have said that. I don't think they're going to, but I don't think it's crazy that people talk about it, you know, and I don't think it's crazy that it's an option for them. Um, I wouldn't have made the trade for Darnold, but, you know, I, having multiple options at that position, especially when you pick in the top 10 and a great quarterback class is would be smart. So, I mean, they could consider that. Detroit could do the same thing. I mean, you really think Jared Goff's going to be the long-term answer? They've been in on all the quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. workouts and, so they've been doing their due diligence. I mean, it's just part of the fun, right? Like I don't have, you know, I've probably heard things, but I have no clue who's, you know, telling the truth and who isn't. I don't know. So, I mean, you know, Detroit could take Micah Parsons. That's the latest rumor. I mean, that would just be bonkers to me, but that that's what Detroit does a lot of the time, you know, so new decision maker there, you know, obviously Brad Holmes is coming from the, the Rams where they really never prioritize the linebacker position. I mean, not for years anyway. I mean, you know, they stumbled into some guys, certainly, you know, the, but over the years that, that Corey Littleton ended up playing well there, but it wasn't like they paid a premium for that position ever. You know, last year they were running out like Micah Kaiser and, you know, some guy you never heard of at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So it would be bizarre to me if that were his first move, especially with the character stuff out there on Micah Parsons. But, um, you know, to me, I think they're, they're probably going to go wide receiver there. I've seen offensive line mock to them. I, they're a complete wild card. I mean, they really are. They could take a quarterback. They've been quiet this whole time. Nobody hardly ever mocks them a quarterback. But do you really think, like, you really, like, your new regime in place there, you could give yourself two quarterback options, probably. Almost definitely, there's going to be good quarterbacks on the board. Um, the other thing they could do is trade back. I think that's a real possibility as well. So it's a fascinating draft, man. It's probably because of the quarterbacks. If you have quarterbacks at the top, it's like it was a couple of years ago. I mean, you know how much fun that draft was, the Baker Mayfield draft. Like, that was awesome. I mean, we didn't know anything going in. I mean, we know the top pick going in, maybe the top two picks going in. So it's a little less intriguing, but that was one of the most dramatic drafts ever. Right. Cause we didn't, you know, day before it's like, it's Baker is the number one guy. And we're like, what? No way. And nobody believes it until they saw it really. So um, it's just, it's a fun, it's going to be a fun draft. Do you like Jalen Waddle better than Devonte Smith? I do like him better than Devonte Smith because two reasons to me, when Waddle was healthy early in the season, he was the guy defense is worried about. And that doesn't a knock on Devontae Smith. You just pick your poison. Then he's the game changer. I think like he has the speed, but he also has the, the, the route running still coming along, but the separation abilities there, you know, just a matter of timing and details and things like that, which he's, he's already getting, um, rare speed and acceleration beast with the ball in his hands. Um, better player than Henry Ruggs. I thought that last year when Ruggs was coming out too. And I liked Ruggs. Um, so I think, yeah, he can just change a game really quick. And he's only been in a handful of contested catch situations in his whole career because he's so fast, but he's, he's awesome in them. So, I mean, you don't really have any downside with Waddle. He cleans up some of the little things about the position, sure. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. Uh, Devontae Smith is a stud, too. He's the most you know polished guy probably. But, you, I mean, it's, it is hard. I mean, I think that people are smart to consider his weight, but they also shouldn't throw out his tape. Um, I think it all matters. Um, will Devonte Smith ever be a star in the NFL, a star, you know, or is he going to be Calvin Ridley? Who's a very good player, a very good player. Took him a couple of years. Devonte Smith, I think is already probably a little bit further along than Ridley was. Um, 
is is he going to you know what is he going to be that type of player like a you know a top twenty wide out in the league, top fifteen wide out in the league, or is he going to be a top five wide out in the league? You know, to me, that's what Chase and Waddle could be, especially Chase. You know, Waddle will see. Um, he has Waddle really has to land in the right place. I mean, Henry Ruggs landed in like the worst place. I mean, he, I like I said, I think Waddle's better than Ruggs, but Ruggs landed in like the worst place for him. I said that before the draft when people were doing mocks and sending Ruggs there to the Raiders is like, yeah, this is the worst fit ever for Ruggs. If he goes there, don't be surprised if he disappoints. So that is what Waddle can't have happen. Where Chase, I mean, I, I he could dominate anywhere. I think so. I like Chase the most, but I like Waddle too, and I think Devontae Smith's going to be really good as well. I just don't know if Devontae Smith's ever going to be a star at the position.